Welcome to the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast, helping you discover everything Bradford and District has to offer. Whether you're after incredible history, entertainment, the great outdoors, shopping opportunities, luxury dining or fantastic museums, this part of West Yorkshire has something for you. I'm John Foster and today we're discovering Haworth, the home of the Bronte sisters. And in this episode we'll follow in the footsteps of the world-famous railway children, explore the Bronte Parsonage and visit one of the smallest independent microbreweries in the country. Haworth is just 10 miles to the west of Bradford on the edge of the Pennines and very close to the border with Lancashire. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, it's a very picturesque village with plenty to see and do, as we're about to find out. And we begin today on Main Street. We're standing just outside the Black Bull, the very iconic cobbles that take you down to the bottom of the Main Street here in Haworth are world famous. We also have Haworth Church just to the right of us and one or two little shops and local businesses that make this area thrive. Let's find out a bit more about that and go and talk to Kath Thornton from Bronte Bars and Events. Hello. Kath. Hi there, how are you doing? Great to meet you. Great to meet you too. So here we are in a wonderful old building which has got a very chequered history. It has. Welcome to the old school rooms in Haworth. Um, this building was um, commissioned by Patrick Bronte for the school children back in, um, back in the day when the Brontes were around. Even Charlotte Bronte had her wedding reception here. It's beautiful. It's stunning. It's got arched windows. Obviously, if you can hear the echo in here, today is a sunny day and it's beautiful. The light is streaming through the windows. So Haworth, I mean, is steeped in history and world famous. Tell us a bit about the history of it. Yes, certainly. I mean, obviously we, we are famous um, in this area for the Bronte sisters. Uh, we also have the um, fantastic steam um, railway with the Keithworth Valley Railway, which is the bottom of Haworth. Um, also famous for the railway children as well. We have the beautiful moors that um, surround the area of Haworth. Um, we have a lot of walkers that come to the area that actually love tramping across the Mars, they absolutely love it. Is this a job to you? I get a feeling it's not really a job to you, this. I mean, um, we actually run quite a number of events in, in the village, um, the Haworth Beer Festival. We run the Gin Express Experience on the Keithworth Valley Railway. We're heavily involved in other events like the 1960s and the 1940s, the Roaring Forties. Um, and we, we certainly have a good time in Haworth, that's all I can say. <laughs> I've been to the 1940s weekend and it is spectacular. It is. There's a lot of organising that goes on. It's a big community event. We get, I'd say, probably about in excess of 30,000 people that weekend. Some of the people actually move out of the village, I'll be honest with you, local residents. And uh, we do get a little bit bombarded, but we've got a fantastic community of businesses uh, up and down the main street and uh, throughout the Worth Valley um, that pull, pull together to ultimately make people have a good time, everybody's safe, and uh, they can go away with a, a great, fantastic impression of Haworth, especially on that weekend. By doing this podcast, Mm. you know, and talking to various people about the events that go on in Bradford and the district, Mm. it's the scenery as well that makes it wherever you look or wherever you're going to put something, an event, you have this breathtaking scenery behind you. And I suppose we take it a bit for granted. Well, I mean, being a local lass, I I try not to take it too too for granted but I mean today on a, on a cold uh, winter's day it's very bracing you know I don't think you're going to come onto the Mars and you're going to have a sunny sunny afternoon um, you know we get four seasons in one day up here and uh, the scenery is spectacular we've got a 
beautiful main street with some fantastic um, independent shops um, so you can not only come to see the beautiful scenery for the day you can visit the Brontes go on the steam train wander around the you know the historic graveyard you can sit and have a nice cup of tea in one of the lovely cafes go shopping we are wanting people to come to the shops and spend spend locally um, and local people to come and spend locally as well um, you can get some fantastic gifts and the railway and the parsonage and the museum are here all the time. But if I was coming to Haworth and it coincided with an event, what's one of your favourite events that I should maybe try and do the whole lot with? Um, Christmas in Haworth is pretty spectacular. Um, there's a team um, that work tirelessly um, to put events on every single weekend throughout December. We have the Torchlight Procession, which starts at the bottom of the Main Street right to the top. So if you can imagine the, the Main Street just full of torches, that is just one of the weekends that um, is pretty spectacular and magical for children and obviously visitors alike. Thanks for uh, spending some time uh, with us today to tell us a little bit about your work here in Howarth and let's uh, head up the main street to the Bronte Parsonage now. So Lauren, here we are in the Parsonage. Whereabouts exactly are we? Which room? Uh, we're stood at the moment in our exhibition room. So this has a permanent exhibition, but the contents change every year, which tells the Bronte story, um, which we've subtitled Genius. And it follows the family from early days um, until the end of their kind of writing careers and lives. Um, and it's a kind of a, a rip-roaring tale and journey through their, through their lives, really. In the 19th century, basically three sisters lived in this house and changed, I suppose, the literary landscape. Yes, I mean, this house is really a place where some people come almost on a pilgrimage of sorts. Um, you know, the Bronte family were remarkable for many reasons, but primary among them was the fact that you had one family with three members um, who exhibited genius um, as writers. And, you know, even more impressive thing is three of those three people were women at a time when opportunities for women were not what they are now. So why is their story endured then? The books are amazing. The books are our best kind of, um, are our best PR, really, and they keep being adapted for film, television, radio, theatre, ballet, opera, all of these things. So, you know, those will always be out there. But I think on a really kind of fundamental human level, you know, you've got three sisters and they're all a little bit different. You know, they might all get kind of lumped together, but, you know, we get people who come to visit who are, I'm, I'm a Charlotte, I'm absolutely Charlotte, I love Jane Eyre. And Charlotte people are really different than Emily people who tend to be a bit more free-spirited and freewheeling. And then you've got Anne people who have got this really kind of fierce sense of integrity and courage. Um, so there's something for everyone in there. And the personal family story is so interesting. You know, their father came from nothing and created, you know, this kind of world wherein his daughters could use their imagination so strongly. Um, they had a wonderful education that enabled them to create these imaginary worlds that made them these wonderful writers from such a young age. And they then went out into the world with differing levels of success, but were able to create these 
fabulous stories of, you know, adventure and, and growth and romance and passion and moorland settings and, you know, Byronic heroes. You know, it's, it's such an interesting story. And the girls themselves, you know, had this really quite tragic end wherein, you know, three members of the family died within a nine month period from tuberculosis. So the biography is just as interesting, if not more so than the stories themselves. The stories to endure in Yorkshire mm-hmm. to present day is amazing. To endure in the UK is amazing. But to actually go around the world and be translated into every single language and still be as popular, that's something a bit special. That's really impressive. And um, a third of our visitors are actually from overseas. And it's lovely to kind of see how different parts of the world gravitate towards different stories, different elements of the story. You know, for example, um, in China, Jane Eyre is, is held up as this kind of real story of self-improvement. And so many of our Chinese visitors have got this real infatuation with Jane Eyre. In Japan, Wuthering Heights is the be-all and end-all. Um, and lots of the footpath signs on the moors around Howarth are in Japanese as well because the interest is so strong. Um, but yeah, I think in some ways that the stories that the Brontes wrote are are universal you know they deal with people they deal with circumstances that whether you're from Buenos Aires Reykjavik or Sumatra you can you can appreciate and you can identify with what else can we see in here because we've passed through um, a recreation of a bedroom with all manuscripts on the floor it looks a bit untidy a bit like a teenager's bedroom so what other things can we see here So the house itself is the parsonage that the family lived in um, from 1820 to 1861. And as far as possible, we've returned the building to the state it would have been in when the family were here. Um, So you can see their dining room, their kitchen. um, You can see their belongings, their furniture. And we've put the decorative scheme back to how they would have known it. So it really is an experience that you are walking through their home. Um, You go upstairs and you see Charlotte's bedroom, you see the servant's room. The room you mentioned that's a bit untidy um, is Bramwell's studio, which was recreated for us by the very talented production design team from To Walk Invisible, which was the Sally Wainwright biopic that came out at the end of 2016. Um, That room features props and um, recreations from that biopic um, and it's meant to feel like you're entering Branwell's head the chaotic kind of messy nature you've got his drawings and his manuscripts all over the place you've got um some rather untidy bed clothes. You've got a bit of an apple left on the floor. Brownwell Studio is a really interesting place to go and spend some time because it does differ from the you know very tidy, um, upright Victorian um, style of the rest of the house. And if someone is a Bronte pilgrim, what else should they see here in Howarth? Well, absolutely come here first, for sure. Your ticket lasts for a year um, and our exhibitions are always changing on an annual basis. So you'll always find something new. Um, Howarth itself, the main cobble street is iconic. Um, the buildings have changed very, very little since the family were here. So just walking up and down Howarth Main Street is a real kind of thrill for a Bronte pilgrim. Um, the church itself, the building is changed quite a lot but the graveyard itself to walk among um is is really moving um and the church themselves have this lovely um little exhibition inside about the bronte family um you know if you're coming to Howarth and you want to do something that's not bronte you've got the worth valley railway um which is a great day out um you can go out onto the moors and walk in the footsteps of the brontes um to the bronte waterfall where we know they spent time or even further afield to top Withins, um which is believed by many to have inspired the landscape that's so iconic 
iconic in Emily's Wuthering Heights. Thanks, Lauren. You're listening to the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast. I'm John Foster and we've wandered back onto the main street in Haworth. And right here at the top is the Haworth Steam Brewery. And we're in what can only be described as small and beautiful with a whole array of bottles around the top, beautifully laid out tables, and a sign on the front that says, get this end in and sit down, which we have done. And we're here with Kelly Gascoigne from Haworth Steam Brewery. You're one of the smallest independent microbreweries in the country? That's correct. We're only a five-barrel plant microbrewery, so we are quite small in the scale of some other big breweries that are out there. Um, And obviously we've been going for about 25 years on that scale. So yeah, we're one of the smallest in the country. But what a location you've got. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Haworth is one of the best places to have it. You know, we have the tourist trade. We have a great local following that follows us. And obviously the location, the history, it's just nice. Why? Why did the brewery start? Uh, so my dad, we're a family-run business. So obviously we're a massive family affair. And my dad's an ex-professional rugby league player. When he retired from the game, some, what, 25 years ago, we bought the wagon and horses in Oxenhope, so the next village along. And obviously, my dad's one of these people that if he thinks he can do it himself, he will do. So when we first opened the pub, he was buying beer from big breweries and he suddenly thought, hang on a sec, I can, I can do this myself. So he did three weeks with a gentleman uh, learning how to make beer, unpaid, kind of worked for him for nothing. And it started from there. And then we went from there up to Scotland with the brewery on a little island on the Isle of Seal. And then we came back to his roots, back to Yorkshire. Now, it's easy to say, oh, you brew beer, but beer and craft beers, there are very many different types. So what sort of things have you got here? Uh, So we're very different, as in the way of, we do the real ales, obviously. There's a massive following for real ale, and it's never declined. There's always a a demand for it. There's a demand for new beers, out there beers. We do a lot of real ales. We do best bitters. We do the darker beers. Then we also do our own lagers, our own stronger lagers as well, pilsners. But then we also produce all our own gins and we're also producers of tonic. So we do quite a lot in our little... little How do you fit all of that in? (laughs) Well, we have... um, We used to be able to make everything here, but obviously because of the size of it, we're in temporary accommodation at the minute uh, where we have our brewery in one half and our distillery in the other because you're not allowed to have both in the same. So we built a wall to separate them. And we've also got an atonic produ- production machine as well. So they are the only people in Yorkshire making tonics completely from scratch. And you're award-winning. We are award-winning, yeah. We've, over the years, we've got some awards for our beers. More recently, we've got Guild of Fine Food Awards. We've got two and, th- and one gold star reviews. Uh, we've just entered some new products into this year's awards as well. So it's quite exciting waiting to see if we get some more awards. So, yeah, we, we've got quite a lot going on. And you mentioned food there as well. There is a thriving food business as well in Haworth. Absolutely, yeah. And I think uh, for us, food is mainly what we're now known for. There's a demand for food in Haworth because obviously we have a lot of locals, like I mentioned, and obviously we get the visitors every year. Um, And it's nice to be able to offer different things as well. And it's nice to see all the different restaurants, pubs, bars, all thriving because of that. But I imagine on a summer's day, or even on a winter's day with the snow falling, what an amazing location you have just to look out of the window and see one of the main streets in Haworth with the cobbles and everything like this. It doesn't get any better. No, it doesn't. And it's nice whether it's absolutely lashing it down with rain, whether it's bright sunshine or whether it's snowing. I think Howard's one of them places, it's pretty whatever the weather. All right. It's good to talk to you. What a fantastic place uh, this is at the Howarth Steam Brewery. Thanks, Kelly. We're going to go off and catch the train now. Where else? The Keithley and Worth Valley Railway. 
Well, here we are at Oakworth Station, and this day's station, of course, you'll remember from the film The Railway Children. The operations manager uh, for the railway is Noel Hartley. Noel, what an amazing, amazing jewel, and I keep using this word on, on this series of podcasts, jewel here in West Yorkshire. It is fantastic. I mean, Oakworth Station is obviously famous for the railway children. Um, it's more or less exactly as it was in the 1920s and 30s. It's been you know, lovingly restored by our fantastic team of volunteers, um, and it's just here for everybody to come and see. So tell us a bit about the line. Um, so we run from Keithley to Oxenhope. Um, it's the full branch line that's always been here since it was built. Um, we've just under five miles of track, uh, six stations. Um, and as you can see, they're all loving, lovingly restored by um, our fantastic volunteers. That must take some doing. Uh, it does, yeah. I mean, we, we have about 600 volunteers on the railway. Um, they're all reasonably regular volunteers, and most of them are here most weekends doing different kind of tasks, everything from restoring stations to driving the steam engines to selling tickets and things like that. But of course, with a steam railway, you get the youngsters who desperately want to ride a steam train and have a look at them and the engineering of it, but also you get those people who maybe remember steam trains from the first time around. Absolutely, yeah, we do. Um, we, we kind of pride ourselves on providing a visitor attraction that's kind of there for all uh, to enjoy, you know, so people who were around in the 1960s and appreciate steam for what it was then uh, can come and reminisce, um, and the young people who are the new enthusiasts of tomorrow um, are able to come and enjoy something that they've never seen before so it's it's fantastic and of course it's not just about running the trains from uh, Oxenhope to Keithley there are so many other things that you do throughout the year which incorporates the railway absolutely I mean we we've had to adapt over the years so we're not just an enthusiast attraction anymore we're there for all the family um, we do anything from character events uh, things like um, Paw Patrol or we've recently had a dinosaur event for children to enjoy um, and we do things like um, Prosecco tasting on the train and beer festivals and you know lo lots of different things that everybody from every dif different kind of background can enjoy. But because of the popularity, even to this day, of the film The Railway Children, you're getting visitors from around the world coming to this part of the Bradford district. Uh, we do, yeah. I mean, we see ourselves as, as an international attraction. You know, we have um, people from all over the world that enjoy coming to see us. Uh, people from, you know, places like China and Japan love coming to see the Bronte Museum and, and enjoying the steam railway. And, of course, we, we do filming um, for different companies all the time. Um, so we have people that have seen the railway on different shows like uh, Peaky Blinders or The Great Train Robbery or even more contemporary dramas like uh, The English Game, which is a Netflix drama, and that's coming out this year. Um, things like that. One of our locos has been in the Dumbo film, for example. So we have different people that see us in different places and, and come to see um, the place that's been on the telly. And it was the first transfer of, of British Railways to a private ownership as well, wasn't it? It was. We, I mean, we took the whole line on um, in 1962. There was a, um, a, a dedicated team of volunteers that were kind of enthusiastic about not wanting to lose um, the kind of gem in the local area. Um, and they were led by a chap called Bob Cryer, who was the local MP for Keithley. Um, and they, they worked so hard over sort of five years to um, restore the line to what could be operated um, and then they've and then over the last kind of 50 odd years it's been it's been transformed into what you see today and the volunteers are just amazing absolutely yeah i mean we're, we're seeing a shift at the moment in in volunteering so we're trying to attract what we're calling the new generation of volunteers because we we obviously we've had people that have been here for 50 odd years since the beginning um and are now wanting to take a bit more of a back seat um 
and we're trying to find ways to attract um, the younger volunteers into the railway uh, and just show them what an, what a fantastic way of spending their time you know there's one of the things that is great and, and I've experienced this is being able to learn new skills uh, meet a variety of different people from different backgrounds uh, as a young person and that kind of gives you uh, life skills and social skills and, and it brings you along in your life in a way that you that you wouldn't necessarily be able to get elsewhere absolutely so if you fancy learning a new skill Keith Leeworth Valley Railway might be it as you can hear there's one of your uh, workmates there doing a bit of uh, maintenance on uh, one of the locomotives in the background there which is absolutely fantastic but of course it is a tourist attraction but for some people it's their way to work every day as well it is yeah I mean we you know we do still get people using the line um, to travel for shopping or work um, and it's what better way to come home on a Friday night than by steam train and have a drink on the train? You know, it's it's something that people do on, on a reasonably regular basis. Um, and um, we also have a, a scheme for local residents in the Bradford um, local district uh, where you can get half price off train tickets uh, if you live if you live within sort of a five mile radius. Thanks, Noel. We could do with the train ride as we're off to Cliff Castle Museum in Keithley. Uh, when's the next one due? Is it steam or diesel? We run steam steam trains, diesel trains and uh, DMUs as well. Um, but the next train, I think, is in about 15 minutes, so you should, shouldn't have long to wait. I'm um, in one of the most amazing rooms with sumptuous uh, furnishings and an incredible painting on the ceiling, huge chandelier and the most amazing fireplace as well. And Heather Millard is the community curator here at uh, Cliff Castle Museum. What room are we exactly in at the minute? We're in the Grand Drawing Room, which is the centrepiece of Henry Isaac Butterfield's um, newly built Cliff Castle. Uh, he built it in the 1860s. It's very much in the French imperial taste because he and his wife were at the court of Napoleon III um, and the Empress Eugenie. Um, and I like to describe it as never knowingly undergilded. It is absolutely superb, isn't it? And th- we've talked about the fireplace as well. I could turn around and say it's got gold in it as a back, but the most gleaming green um, surround. Tell us a bit about that. Well, it's a Malachite fireplace um, and it was originally created for the Crystal Palace exhibition uh, down in London. It was part of a big Russian display there um, and it was purchased by Henry Isaac when he was building Cliff Castle. Um, It's got its own very interesting story because it's been in London, it's been in San Donato, uh, it's then come to Cliff Castle um, and in the 1950s it moved down to Nottinghamshire and then in 2016 it came back up to us and was reinstalled in its uh, original place here. As some of the uh, features in every single room are quite incredible. The whole collection is vast. It's wonderful. So we, we've got some of the items that relate to the history of the house and the history of the family, but it's also uh, Keithley's museum. So it's got a real range of objects from uh, local industries to amazing Victorian taxidermy to fantastic stained glass. You know, we like to think we do a little bit of everything. So if you come here, there is something that everyone will enjoy. Now, this was a private residence, wasn't it? But how did it become a museum? Uh, it was a private residence up until 
until the 1950s um, when Henry Isaac's granddaughter sold the castle. Uh, she'd married um, and moved away down to Nottinghamshire. She'd married um, Earl Manvers and they were living in uh, Thorsby Hall, which, if believe it or not, is even bigger and grander than this place. Um, so she sold it. It was bought by uh, a chap called Sir Bracewell Smith, who was a local Keithley lad made good. It's a real dip witting story. He went down to London um, and ended up owning Park Lane, the Ritz, Arsenal Football Club. Um, but when the castle came up for sale, he bought the castle and the park and promptly presented it to the people of Keithley in perpetuity. And it was at that point that it becomes a museum. So it's converted. Uh, they move the contents of the the old museum in Victoria Hall up to Cliff Castle and it's been open for the last 60 years. And the visitors who come here both from outside the area but also from the Bradford district as well must just think wow I bet a few people say, I didn't even know this was here. We do get that sometimes. Normally when they walk through the door and they see the stained glass on the window and all the gilding, and it's always, this is not what we expected. And, and we rather like being that, uh, that unexpected uh, surprise. It, it's, it's great fun. Um, and yes, we do have lots of visitors sort of from near and, and far. We have interesting American links, which is quite fun. How many objects are actually in the collection? Oh, well, it depends how you do. It, it depends how you determine that because we're part of a, a wider service, a museum service. So I think we've got nearly a million objects. And your favourite? Um, <laughs> oh, that's really difficult. I like the fireplace. Uh, my favourite painting is a wonderful one of a lady called Pauline Viado, and it actually came back at the same time as the uh, fireplace did, did. But it's got its own interesting story. There's a couple of things as well, if we could move and walk into another part of uh, the actual museum here as well, because the views are stunning too, and let's just tell people a little bit about the views. Let's pop through to another room. So we've moved into a different sort of room now, just in the museum. What room are we in now? Uh, we tend to call it working landscapes, which is telling the story of the local industries that are in, um, in and around the district. But it's on the site of what was the Winter Gardens. So the reason I brought you here is we've got a really nice view down into the park uh, and you can see where we've restored some of the, the Victorian features. So we've got um, a, a lay down there with a flourishing fountain and also gardens as well, which look impeccable in summertime. Yeah, we're really lucky. A couple of years ago, we had a HLF funded project uh, to improve the park and put back a lot of the Victorian uh, features back into the Cliff Castle Park. So we worked with um, our colleagues in the park team. Um, they had the know-how for outside, but we had all the evidence so that we could say, this is an object, this is how it looked. Um, and for instance, that meant we were able to put back the, what you call the lake, um, back into its original shape. It's been a real pleasure to see it uh, shape up and now we're a couple of years in and all the plants have grown and it's wonderful and just a little bit further back as well we've also got conservatories mm -hmm. and also tea rooms as well and from there you get a stunning vista of this part of West Yorkshire yes I, I admit I do tend to go up and sit in the cafe and admire the view um, it was it was part of the same project was rebuilding all the glass houses and the big the big spectacular dome house that's a, a centerpiece up there favorite room in this house Favourite room in this house? Um, I like the Grand Drawing Room because it's 
so incredibly blingy. I also like we um, upstairs we have our uh, Morris Gallery and it's full of um, wonderful stained glass, including some of the earliest Morris glass in existence, which is rather fun. Thanks for talking to us, Heather. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to the Explore with Visit Bradford podcast. In the next episode, we'll be exploring the UNESCO World Heritage Site at Saltaire. To get more information on this remarkable part of West Yorkshire, head to visitbradford.com. Until next time, from Cliff Castle Museum, goodbye.